Daar is hij welkom, welkom. Hij is niet wacht naar eerst. Ik gezelschap nou eerst met die mensen hier zo. Als hij ons het een baie interessante show vir julle vandag. Ons gaan so'n bykie van die pad af, nie omdat ons van die pad af is nie, maar ons gaan so'n bykie een ander draaikie vang vandag. Dietrik, welkom en blij jy is weer hier so vandag saam met ons. Mardag, mardag, jy sien uit nacht na hierdie heen. Ja, nee, van wat jy my nou nou vertel het, denk ek gaan dit nogal heel interessant wees. Ek nou net gauw eers my phone hier so stil maak, want sy praat ook uit haar beerd uit. <laughs> okay, Didrik, let's see where we're going today. You've got something interesting got that you very, brought very, to my attention. We've got a good, very program today. But what is what is what is interesting about today? Today is the day that General Kostela Ray was shot by the police in Johannesburg 107 years ago. 107. Now, 107 years ago, General Kostela Ray, the guy that everyone is so scared of, and we got songs about him and. <laughs> but what is quite quite weird is right now today in Lichtenberg, where General Delaray is buried, they had to reinaugurate a, a bust on his grave because someone stole Kurs <laughs> Delaray. Someone stole him off his own grave, <laughs> and they had to put a new statue up for him. And that actually happened today in Lichtenberg. And my my partner on the app was actually at the unveiling of the new bust there this morning, and that's sort of gave me the idea of doing a bit about General Kurs Delaray. Yeah, yeah, and he's an interesting character. And what I'm trying to do is I want to weave a little bit of a historical thread through the whole of today based on the little town of Mikey's Fontaine. Yes. Now, where that comes from is in two or three weeks' time, we're running a competition where you can win a free two-night stay for two people at the Lord Milner Hotel in Mikey's Fontaine. Yes. And I'm going to play yes. a little bit with this one. I'm not going to give you all the clues now and the way to do it because so, I want you to listen and to get onto websites and download my app. But... Mikey's Fontaine is going to be a constant thread for the next couple of couple of episodes as well. But Delaray was an interesting character. He was already in the commandos at the time of the Jamison raid. Now, that was when um, Cecil Rhodes tried to take over the Transvaal, the little private army launched out of Botswana. And uh, oh, yes, yes. the Jamison raiders got clapped just outside Johannesburg uh, in, near Durankop. And, of course, Delaray was already part of that. He was also the person to have the first action in the Second Anglo-Boer War at Kraipan. He was the general okay. in charge of derailing a train. Now, Kraipan is flat nothing, way other side of Mafeking, um, Lichtenberg, out that part of the world, Western yes. Transvaal. Okay. And he shot the first <clears throat> shots of the Second Anglo-Boer War at Kraipan. And he was present at the Battle of Magersfontein. Now, Magersfontein was one of the major battles of the Second Anglo-Boer War, where the South Africans or the Bura gave the British a serious club <laughs> and a blood nose. Yeah. And one of the biggest casualties of Marcus Fontaine on the British side was the general, uh, General Wauchope. Now, you're going to ask me, how does Delaray and Wauchope and Marcus Fontaine, what have you, all fit together with, my, with Mikey's Fontaine? But Wauchope's body was sent down to Cape Town um, to be shipped back to England to his family, but... His wishes were to be buried with his troops back at Magersfontein. Yeah, yeah. But when they wanted to ship him back again, the railway clerk made a mistake and didn't know where Magersfontein was, but knew about Mikey's Fontein. <laughs> so he rode Mikey's Fontein on the, on the shipping docket. So General Wildshope wound up in Mikey's Fontein and is now buried just outside Mikey's Fontein in a rather lonely little graveyard. There's a cricketer there. There's a couple of other Anglo-Boer War um, casualties there. There's a big monument to him and there's his own personal grave 
just outside Mikey's Fontaine. And in the wrong place. And in the wrong place. Well, <laughs> you know, according to the paper, he was the right place, but according to his wishes, in the wrong place. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Chris, Chris De La Rey was sort of kind of responsible for that one as well. But Chris De La Rey is definitely one of these characters that has grabbed the South African imagination. And I'm sure you've got told... Delaray song lined up if I know you well enough. I'm yes. sure it's somewhere in the playlist for today after <laughs> I gave you the hint. It's there. It's but there. there's a fantastic story. Now, whether the story is true or not, I don't know. But it's a fantastic story. And I've got to, I've got to modify one word on it because it gets a little... But there's a lovely little story about how a Boer delegation went to the UK after the Second Anglo-Boer War to start talking about compensation and self-rule and self-determination and stuff after yes. the Second Anglo-Boer War. Okay. So they were then invited to the house of a very important lord for dinner. So after dinner, one of the Boers asks if he can go and use the bathroom. And uh, <laughs> the lord shows him where it is, and the Boer goes in, and he closes the door. And to his surprise, he sees the picture of Kurs de la Rey on the back of the toilet door. <laughs> but anyway, so he gets back to the table, and the lord asks him, well, you know, did you see de la Rey there? Because he thought, well, there's going to evoke a reaction, but there was no <laughs> reaction. So he had to prompt this thing. Yeah. And the boy says, yeah, no, I saw it. And the Lord says, do you think it's an appropriate place for such a painting? <laughs> and the boy says, I do indeed. I agree with you. It's a great place. So the Lord's sort of going, hang on, you know, why, why would he agree that there's a picture of Delaray in the toilets? And he says, well, why do you say that? <laughs> and then the old boy replies, well, there is nothing in this world that makes an Englishman poop faster than Kurs Delaray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> and uh you know so he's Kirsten Array is definitely one of those characters that has grabbed the South African imagination and he features in all sorts of stuff and the mere fact that there's songs and stuff made up of him just yeah. shows how far he's got. I mean he, he didn't get the name Lion of the West Transvaal for nothing. Yeah. And he was one of the he was one of the great poor generals, there's no question. Yeah. About that at if, all. If you listen to just a couple of things that you've mentioned already He's been around. No, he he covered. He he got he got his mileage out of his horses. There's no question about that. He was all over the place. He definitely took a road trip. He took a road trip. He and just if you didn't go have the app. <laughs> and if you go onto the road trip app, and in the search function, you put in there Della Ray, and you look at all the spots in South Africa that have got some kind of relationship to him. The whole of the Western Transvaal is full of spots about Kurs Della Ray. A lot of it, of course, function, um, centered on Lichtenberg. Um, he, where he where he comes from and where his family graveyard is and where he's actually buried. Yes, yes, awesome. <laughs> but I thought I had to bring up old Kurs Delaray today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's what 100, 107 years ago. Because what happened is after the Anglo-Boer War, um, we're talking 1902 now. Now we're heading into just pre-First World War times. So the memory of the Anglo-Boer War is obviously still very very strong, and smuts etc., are now kind of moving towards being pro-Britain, which is obviously a problem for a lot of the old Buddha. Yeah. And at the time, there was talk of joining the British as part of the empire in Europe to fight in the First World War. In the first, um, first World War. And there was a lot of dissension against that. They were going, well, we can't side with our old enemy. And there was actually a yeah. rebellion in 1914. Now, Delaray was not for the rebellion, but he didn't agree to the fact that we should be fighting on the side of the British. Yeah. And... Um, he was he was in a, in a car, and they'd gone through a couple of roadblocks because the police were looking for a notorious bank robber gang. I think it was the, um, the 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 Foster gang. Uh, oh yes, and, yes. And they'd run through this roadblock or gone through the roadblock, 
And they didn't stop because they thought, oh, hang on, the cops are looking for us. Mistakenly, they were, you know, it was two yeah. entirely separate incidents. <laughs> but a shot was fired at ricocheted off the road and hit Delaray in the back. And he died as a result of that. And there's a little plaque. So it's down in Langlachter. Uh, Langlachter, almost where gold, where gold was discovered in Johannesburg okay. on Main Reef Road. Very close to there is a little plaque. Uh, commemorating the shooting of General Quirst de la okay. It's a rather sad end for a really, really great guy. Yeah. Do you know what age he was when he, he passed away? Yo, he was born... Let me just check here. He was born in 1847. Okay. So, I don't no, know. Do, do the math. My, my, my <laughs> math doesn't work when I'm sitting on a microphone like this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let's go commemorate uh, Quirst de la Rey with this next song. And we will back shortly. And we are back. And ons gesels oor Koos Dallarai. Hy was baie interessant ook. And uh, Diederik is telling me that this show today is going to be a little bit confusing, so you have to listen very closely, because um, alles loop in mekaar in, maar dit loop weit uit mekaar uit. Um, so ja, het gaan interessant wees. <laughs> <laughs> Diederik, carry on. No, we have, I'm going to have a lot of fun with the show today. Uh, <laughs> last week, we we were chatting about the VOC and Cape Town and the the period sort of 1652 right through until um, 1803 when eventually uh, the British had to invade Cape Town. Oh, 1878, sorry, 1795. Let me get this right. My tongue all tongue-tied today. <laughs> when uh, the VOC went bankrupt and the British actually were forced to take over Cape Town. But we're talking about a road trip. And one of the most iconic road trips I think you can do in South Africa for a day is out of Cape Town, down to Cape Point, and then back up the inside of False Bay. Yeah. So it's a beautiful sea route. You kick off in Cape Town. You've got Table Mountain. You're driving around past Lion's Head. Now, in all the years I've been traveling, I've yet to see that lion. I think it must have been really, really drunk <laughs> sailors or something to see lion, a lion in that Lion's Head mountain. I've never yet seen it, and I've seen it from all sorts of angles. But yeah. I don't get it. But anyway, so you've got Lion's Head, you've got Table Mountain. <laughs> then you're going out, you're driving out past Sea Point, you've got a lighthouse out that way. You're going out Sea Point, Bantry Bay, Clifton. Um, you carry on, you go past Camps Bay, and then, of course, you go past the Twelve Apostles, the beautiful mountain peaks on the on the back end of the, the, the Table Mountain National Park there. Yes. And we've got two sets of Twelve Apostles, so we've actually got 24 Apostles in South Africa, because another 12 Apostles, and you go up Sani Pass on the other side of the Drakensberg in KZN. So okay. clearly, clearly we're a very religious country. We've got 24 <laughs> Apostles, 12 wasn't good enough for us. <laughs> but uh, once, once you go past there, you hit, then hit Lindadno, which is, I think, still holds the record for the most expensive house ever sold in South Africa, the houses in Lindadno are incredible. There's indoor swimming pools and something got two or three indoor swimming pools and indoor squash courts. And oh it's, it's an amazing, soul. amazing piece of real estate. But then as you go over the, the mountain pass there, there's again, there's one or two old cannon emplacements, Dutch uh, VOC cannon emplacements to protect the harbor at, in, the, in those old days. Yes. But you go over that, that little, that little neck and then you're bending down 
and you now go into Hout Bay. Yes. Now, Hout Bay, obviously, Houten Bay was the Dutch word, and Jan van Riebeek had already discovered Hout Bay because it's already in his diary in December 1652. Now, he'd only arrived in April. Yeah. So by December, he'd already started exploiting Hout Bay. And obviously where it comes from, Wood, Wood Bay, where the bay where the wood is found. Yeah. And legend legend has it is that he found the trees there that were long enough, tall enough, straight enough, and big enough to replace the masts on the ships coming in for repairs into into Cape Town or into Table Bay. Ah. So that's where the name Hout Bay comes from. But Hout Bay is one of those places you've got to stop at. One of the best fish and chip shops I know. There's two great fish and chip shops. I can't give their names, but the one is in Hout Bay. You can sit in a little, as you come into the harbour, go go on the left-hand side. Beautiful fish and chips there. The other place is in Simonstown. As you go down to yes. uh, the harbour, or you walk down the, the slipway, and on the left-hand side there's a little restaurant that also makes the most incredible fish and chips there. But we're not here to talk about fish and chips. <laughs> But Hout Bay, they say a lot of the mansions and the big houses built in Hout Bay are built on the backbone of illegal crayfishing. This is one of the major crayfish harvesting harbors. It is still an active fishing harbor. You've got to take a little boat trip in Hout Bay. There's boat trips that take you out to a little place called Daker Island. Massive seal colony there. Oh, yes. And that's always worthwhile. That's why there's also so many great white sharks in that area, because they feed on they feed on the seals. <laughs> yeah, but there's also an interesting an interesting observation over the last couple of years out that side of the world, is that the great whites seem to be disappearing, and they are apparently becoming prey for killer whales, orcas. Oh, there's orcas now being sighted more and more regularly around the Cape, and apparently they haven't quite decided exactly what the cause is, but they seem to prey on great white sharks. So that's an interesting hmm. one to try and watch and see what's what's happening with that one. Yeah. Hart Bay's also got a great little museum in town. There's a great little museum in Hart Bay that you can visit. There's also the anchors when you drive out of Hart Bay. Now you're going on the way up to Chapman's Peak. There's a little memorial with a couple of anchors there from the SS Maori. It's also become quite a popular dive site out in the harbor. And then, of course, you've got the leopard statue as you're coming up and driving up onto, onto Chapman's Peak. Yes. So the little leopard leopard is there. <coughs> and that leopard is purely a tribute to the wildlife uh, on Table Mountain, Cape yeah. Town being one of the few cities in the world that's built in and around a national park. So yeah. you inevitably wind up with a little bit of wildlife and human interaction and a little bit of conflict every once in a while. The baboons come and raid houses and things. Caracals, <laughs> yeah. caracals come in and take little... Dogs, dogs and birds and cats and things out of the gardens, but it's a national park, so yeah, yeah. endless argument to who, who was doing what where. But uh, coming out of Hout Bay, you hit one of the, probably one of the most scenic and one of the most beautiful coastal drives in the world over Chapman's Peak. Ah, yes. Now, Chapman's Peak, Chapman, not a famous guy, he was a ship's pilot, who got put on shore by, by, by a, a captain, sent to go and explore something, came back, and it got marked on the maps at that stage as um, Chapman's, Beak, Chapman's Bay and Chapman's Peak. So that's where the name comes from. Okay. 
that, and we're talking now 1605 or 1607 or something, that this was marked now as Chapman's, Chapman's spot. Yes, yes. But the first administrator of the Cape Province, a guy by the name of Sir Nicholas Frederick Duval, that's where the name Duval's Drives comes from in Cape Town. Okay. In okay. the 1920s, he actually laid out some of the major streets and roads, and Duval's Drive, obviously named after him, is one of the main arteries in Cape Town. Yes. And once he had the success of that road, he decided that it was now time to link um, Noordhoek, etc., now with Cape Town. There were a couple of routes to be chosen, and he probably got a bit full of himself, but he, and he chose the most difficult one to take it up over what is now Chapman's Peak Drive. <laughs> but it's the most stunning drive, and he was actually very clever. And one of the things to look out for when you're driving Chapman's Peak is the road construction is exactly at the boundary line of two huge geological formations. Oh. You've got the underlying Cape Granite, which has been dated to about 630 million year old granite formation. Okay. Granite being a vol- of, of volcanic origin. Yes. But yes. it's overlain by sedimentary rocks called the Mars- Malmesbury Shale Formation. Okay. So exactly on that break line is where they built the road. So you've got the granite as your base, which is nice and hard and really, really solid. Yeah. And then yeah. the sandstone, which is relatively easy to excavate out. Yeah, yeah. So they excavated the sandstone and they used the granite as, as the, the base. base. And awesome. it is the most <laughs> stunning drive. If you're scared of heights, you mustn't do it. If you get car sick, you also mustn't do it. But it's now a toll road, so you've got to pay to go up over, over, the, over the, the pass. The scenery is mind-blowing spectacular, and I've, I've taken literally hundreds of groups of tourists over that road, and none of them have seen a scenic drive as beautiful as Chapman's Peak. Yeah. And it's won several engineering awards, some worldwide engineering awards. If you remember, there was, there was, there was some periods around 2000 where the road was actually closed. There was a rock fall. Yes. Unfortunately, a, someone got killed when a rock landed on his car and the car rolled. There was some story with that, and they had to close the road. And that's when they actually rebuilt it. And there's a couple of interesting things. There's what they call a half tunnel. It's the only half tunnel that we know of in South Africa. It's actually a, it's a, the road is dug into the, into the sandstone, but there's a concrete support layer, and it's 150 millimeter steel reinforced shotcrete. There's a steel reinforced roof. It's held up with massive cables and 95-ton capacity cables that actually hold this half roof up over this one particular little section of road, just 160 meters long or something like that. There's also some incredible catch fences, huge catch fences, that six 12-meter-high catch fences that they put up around some of the ravines or the little kloofs to stop the rock falls. And it's high tensile cables in like a kind of circle spring you know, those little circles that they put up on this netting to give that resilience okay. when the rocks come down. Yeah. And it saved a good couple of rock falls and it's, and it's saved a lot of rock falls and closures of Chapman's Peak Drive. Yes. And then, but then as you, as you now come out <coughs> of Chapman's Peak, the last turn, you're coming in now to the area called Sun Valley, Noordhoek, and you've got the most beautiful view out over Noordhoek Beach, which is always used for horse riding. And it's just one of the most amazing views then as you come down out of that, you now get into Sun Valley. The road continues a little bit. You hit a T-junction, 
you swing a right and you're now heading off towards a little town called Komiki. Komiki. And Komiki gets its name from a particular rock formation. The old Afrikaans word a kom is a bowl, a bowl or like a, the, the, yeah, a receptacle. Yeah. And there's some, some rock formation that looks like a big bowl or pot on the coastline. That's where Komiki gets its name from. Uh, then you've got uh, the Slunkop Lighthouse. Now, Slunkop, I think, is pretty self-explanatory. Lots of snakes and cobras <laughs> and things in the, in the Cape Feinbos. Yeah. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting lighthouse. It is one of the few lighthouses in the world that still actually has a lighthouse keeper. Oh. It's, not, it's not entirely automated yet. It's also just plain white. Most white lighthouses are painted red and white. Yeah, this one yeah. is a pure white lighthouse. And it's also um, a cast iron lighthouse. Cast. So it was actually built and, oh. and cast and then bolted together on site. Yo. Uh, 40 meters high about. And it is open to the public. Guys, you can actually go and visit the lighthouse with appointment. You can phone up, look it up on the internet. And you can go into the lighthouse, chat to the lighthouse keeper, and visit a proper working lighthouse. And that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yes, sir. you don't uh, hear <laughs> of those anymore. There's not many places that you can, that you can still do that. Yeah, and, and which is not automated. Yeah. <coughs> so, from there, you're heading out towards a little town called Scarborough. Old English names again. Yeah, Scar- I've, I've heard of that, but I've never been there. It's Scar- Scarborough is a, a a tiny little beach town, a little holiday town. It's mostly it looks like mostly holiday houses, yeah. But it's got the landmark there called Camel Rock. That one, that one, you can see it's a camel from an angle. You can see that, that that's actually a camel. It's got no other significance. <laughs> it's just a, just a piece of sandstone that's been wind blasted, and and looks vaguely like a camel. Yeah. But in season, there's a couple of houses there that have. Planted only indigenous in their garden. So it's all the Feinbos, the Proteas, the Leucodendrons, the Ericas. Okay. And it's absolutely stunning in season when you drive past there. It's, it's, it's like, like a mini botanical garden. Yeah, yeah. When you drive down through, through, awesome. through Scarborough. And then, of course, you're now heading out. And your next stop would actually be Cape Point and the Cape of Good Hope. Yeah. That's now a national park. Thank goodness it's a national park. There were plans at one stage to actually make it into a housing development. Pre-national park days. Yeah. And it turned out that it was too windy and too cold and too miserable and no one would buy houses there. (laughs) So only after that plan had been scrapped did they decide to make it into a national park. Thank goodness they made it into a national park. Because again, it's an absolutely incredible piece piece of real estate. Yeah. And it's always good to get in there. You've always got the chance to see the Cape Mountain zebra, which is different to the Kruger Park zebra and the other zebras. It's a, yeah. it's a zebra species particular to the Cape region. You've got the chance of seeing Bontebok down there. Um, one of the more unusual things to see is actually ostriches on the beach. When you <laughs> yeah, that's something you don't see on a beach. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the two don't sort of match up. You expect to see ostriches in the Kalahari or something like that. Yeah, you don't yeah. expect them to be to see them running around on a beach. <laughs> yeah, but you've got Cape Point, uh, big parking area. Cape Point. You've got the little train thing called the funicular, little okay. train that runs on on a on a cable system. It's actually quite scary because there's there's two trains. Oh. So one's at the top, one's at the bottom, and then they start at the same time and they, and they head towards each other. And at exactly the right moment, there's a little side railway. Oh. So just as you think you're going to hit the train, the other one zooms out past you 
and then you go <laughs> zooming past each other, and then you go back onto the same track again, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. you then can get up to the top. And the old the old lighthouse is up there. That lighthouse is no longer functioning because, in their wisdom, they thought, okay, highest point, let's put lighthouse. But it was more non-operational than operational because the mountain's always in mist. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. had to shut it down. And when you yeah. stand at the old lighthouse, you look down towards where um, Cape Point is, you can see the now functioning lighthouse much lower down. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that was very clever. <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's a little museum up there. Cape Point during World War II was linked up to Silver Mine, as, and that was part of the submarine watch systems around the world for the Allies trying to keep track of who was going around the Cape and oh. especially the German submarines trying to sneak around into the other theaters of war. Yeah. So there's a whole system of underwater microphones and stuff and all of that is up in that little museum. You've got to sit at that restaurant. At some point, you've got to sit at that restaurant at, at Cape Point and just sit and enjoy the view. Sunny day on the veranda, the little starlings and things are coming to play on the, on, and you've got this fantastic yeah. view out over False Bay. On a clear day, you're looking clean across False Bay. You can see Cape Hunclip on the other side. Yeah. It is absolutely spectacular. Awesome. Absolutely spectacular. So you've got Cape Point, and then just down, when you're standing on Cape Point, just down to your right-hand side, you've got the Cape of Good Hope. Now, Cape of Good Hope, again, after Diaz had made it around the Cape in 1488, he turned around and he went back up to Portugal. His first trip... <laughs> was coming down the coast and he couldn't continue because of a massive storm around Cape Town. So he had to divert yeah. and go out back into the Indian Ocean to the big circle. He turned east and eventually didn't hit land. So he realized he must have been now past the tip of Africa. So he turned north and he, and he landed in Mossel Bay. Yeah. Now we covered that in one of the previous episodes. Yeah, I think that so, was the first one. I it could have been the first or second one, yeah. Yeah. But he continued on, went to sort of where P.E. is now, planted his cross, turned around and, and went back again, reported back to Prince Henry the Navigator. And he'd christened it the Cape of Storms. Yes. But uh, Henry was a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> and he changed the name and said, no, 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 it's not a Cape of Storms, it's a Cape of Good Hope, because we now have hope of getting our, our route across to the Far East. <laughs> so that's where the, point, the, the name Cape of Good Hope comes from. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot of people also that think that that is the geographical point where the two oceans meet, Indian Ocean and um, yeah. the Atlantic. But that's not the case. I mean, oceans don't have a, a, a dividing line. Yeah, you, know, you can't just say, okay, there's a stripe, there's, there's slightly more blue than the other side. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> but it's actually quite funny to listen because a lot of the publicity about Cape, the, the Cape Point, etc., etc., is, oh, where the two oceans meet. You know, the yeah. two oceans this and the two oceans that. Yeah. But that's not the case. The geographical map point where mm. those oceans meet is Cape Pagalis. Ah. Cape Pagalis is the southernmost point of Africa. Yes. And that's geographically where the guys who do the names and stuff decided to put um, the, the, the division between the Indian and Atlantic Oceans. Yes. Obviously, that's an impossibility. You don't have a fixed point in it because the the, the currents sweep across that yeah, entire yeah. southern coastline and there's been warm water going all the way into False Bay before. Where they've, yeah. Literally, they've caught some tropical Indian Ocean fish in False Bay and then suddenly the current shifts again and <laughs> oh, then, wow. then, then, the warm, then the cold water goes right up past PE sort of all, uh, toward, towards East London again. So it's a, yeah. it's a very dynamic system. 
Yeah. But it's actually very funny because I've stood on top of, of Cape Point before, and you can see see tourists with their little guidebook. Uh, you know, the two oceans, the two oceans meet here, and it's all it's all nonsense. But there's just off Cape Point, there's a couple of rocks just under the surface of of the ocean. Oh, yeah. And you stand at Cape Point, you can actually see the breakers, and there's a bit of foam and stuff in the water there, and the water gets a bit discolored. Yeah. And every once in a while, you actually hear someone say, yeah, no, look, there you can see the mo- oceans meeting. There the two currents are meeting, and they're crashing against each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're actually just breaking up over, <laughs> over those little rocks. Nope. That, it's just rocks. <laughs> it's just rocks, guys. It's just rocks. But there's the baboon statue there. The baboons are a bit of a problem at Cape Point. The baboons are the same species, the Chakma baboon, as in Kruger and the rest of Southern Africa. They are slightly hairier. They do have that adaptation to the cold weather and the cold, windy, rainy weather down in Cape Town. Yeah. And they are unique because they patrol the beaches and they've learned how to eat shellfish. And there's a lot of baboon conservation groups, and you get it. But having a troop of baboons raid your house and rip your fridge apart and uh, yeah. do stuff. So, but again, you know, you're living in a town that's in part of a national park. Yeah. And you yeah. and Cape Town is one of those cities where nature is just everywhere. Yeah. Wherever you drive, you've got the mountain or you've got Table Mountain or you're looking out to over False Bay and you're seeing the Hottentots Holland Mountains. You know, it's just one of the most yeah. spectacular places. So you just not never. You just can't can't get away away from that part of it. Yeah. But once you've been through Cape Point, the the Cape you know, the that part of the park, and you exit again, and now you go up the coastline, and you're now on the False Bay side of of the peninsula. Your first real stop there is going to be Simonstown. Now, Simonstown could probably fill an entire episode just just on its own. Yeah. The most famous part of Simonstown, of course, is the penguin colony. <coughs> You've got one of the only, the, I know of two, maybe three penguin colonies that are now back on continental Southern Africa. Okay. The African penguin, it used to be called the jackass penguin. Oh, yes, yes. Because it sounds like an American jackass is American English for donkey. Oh, okay, okay. And the noise that that penguin makes sounds like a donkey on heat. It is, it is a horrendous noise. <laughs> but the penguins took an absolute hammering because they were one of the sources of eggs and fresh meat for the old trading ships. Oh, yeah. And even Jan van Riebeek writes in his diary that an expedition went to Robben Island. Robben Island, Rob in Dutch is a seal. Yeah. So Robben Island actually means seal island. There was a seal colony on what is now Robben Island. Yes. And massive, massive penguin colonies because penguins are ground nesting birds. So they're very vulnerable to predators, mongoose or rats or Yes. Etc. So an island yes. for them is ideal nesting <clears throat> habitat. So Robben Island was a massive penguin colony. Yeah. But Van Riebeek writes in his diary that, for example, today we sent a boat to Robben Island to go and get supplies. And then they record that they brought back something like 5,000 penguin eggs Ooh, in one haul. Wow. 
<clears throat> it was just absolutely normal. Eggs, great source of yeah. protein, ships coming in, sailors are full of scurvy, they haven't had decent food. Now there's fresh eggs, there's fresh meat, penguin meat was being eaten, seal meat was being eaten. Yes. And so you can understand with that kind of pressure on those colonies, eventually those colonies start getting wiped out. And the African penguin eventually became a vulnerable species, then it became a threatened species, it became an endangered species. And then one day, magically, in Simonstown, at a place called Boulders Beach, some okay. penguins are appear. Okay. <laughs> they just rock up there. Out of the blue, 1985, some penguins appear in Boulders Beach. Now, Boulders Beach is also a private beach. Okay. It's a really, really nice little spot, really good real estate, nice little houses, very picturesque beach. You can imagine beautiful white sand, big round boulders everywhere. Yeah. Really, really nice, nice and sheltered. Look, the only, the only drawback is the water in Cape Town is too cold to swim properly. Yeah, and here rocks up the And here come penguin. And before they know what's happened, there's a breeding colony of penguins on Boulders Beach. <laughs> So from being a nice little piece of real estate, all nice and peaceful and quiet, you've now got, I think the colony has grown probably now to just over 3,000 penguins, to speak under correction. Yeah. But you've got about 3,000 penguins now in Simonstown. Yeah. As you drive into Simonstown, there's little road signs warning you of penguins. (laughs) (laughs) There's special penguin crossing places. And of course, now the tourists arrive to come and look at the penguins. National Parks comes in. Because it's an endangered species, they declare that now as protected area. No one's allowed to swim there anymore. It's now a penguin colony, endangered species. The penguins are now allowed to breed. But a male penguin in full cry at two in the morning is not funny when he's underneath your house. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) So there's like this, this mini war that goes on between the residents and the penguins. Yeah. Um, yes, it's great. Everything that's a tour bus st- stops now in, in Simonstown. Everything that's a tourist comes and visits the Penguin Colony. National Parks has put up a great little interpretation center. You, got a, you, you pay your entrance fees. You walk down. Very nicely laid out pathways to actually control the people so they don't get onto the beach. Yeah. But you stand on these little platforms. You look out over Boulder's Beach and there's penguins. There's penguins everywhere. And they've got even had to go to the extent that they've provided artificial nesting burrows for the penguins. Okay. And there's like a little half dome plastic, like a half drain pipe that yeah. then gets, it gets put in the sand, and the penguins then use that as as nesting burrows. And it's it's one of the it's a it's a conservation success story, in that the penguins are no longer that threatened because these colonies are now starting to breed. Yeah. Uh, there's another there's another colony in I think it's in Betty's Bay. As well, just not as not as well known out down towards Hermana's side. There's yes. another there's another penguin colony on on the, on the mainland. So it's really cool to go visit the penguins. But when you're driving and stuff, you've got to watch out for the penguins crossing the road. Yeah. They've, they've got they've got TV shows made about the penguins. Everywhere you go, there's little statues and little artifacts and little beaded things of penguins and <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it's been a boom. Penguin the, paradise. It's penguin paradise, and it's been an absolute boom. For Simonstown, because everything that's a tourist now stops in Simonstown because of the penguins. Yeah. And if you time it right, you're actually in, in Simonstown for lunch. 
Yeah. So if you leave early morning with your with your with your tourists or you're on, on your on your drive, you can happily go over to Hart Bay. You can do the little the, the trip to Dacre Island, see the seal colony over Chapman's Peak, down past Slankorp, and you come into into Cape Point. You've got a bit of a chance there. So then you've either got lunch in Cape Point or you leave Cape Point and 20, 30 minutes later you're in Simonstown. Yes. And like I said, Simonstown <coughs> is an amazing, an absolutely amazing historical town. Simonstown gets its name from old Simon van der Stel, our governor from a couple of episodes ago, one of the better governors of the Cape, and he set up Simonstown as an alternative harbour to that of Cape Town in the winter months. Cape Town sometimes was not approachable. The winds were wrong. The storms yeah. were wrong. The ships couldn't get in <clears> out properly. So he <clears> set up Simonstown with that rule, of course, in Fishhook that the wagoneers and the crew was not allowed to get drunk in Fishhook. Yes. Uh, you remember that story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Simonstown has got a long, long history of being a, a port and a, and, a, and a safe anchorage. So you can imagine that there's a lot of maritime history now in Simonstown. Yes. It is now South Africa's main naval base. It always has been. Yes. It is the training center for our Navy divers. It was also a British naval port for many, many years. And it was also the headquarters of the British East of the British Indian Ocean Fleet okay. for many, many years. So there's a strong naval tradition and a strong naval history in yeah. Simonstown. Interestingly enough, there's also some Boer War sites in Simonstown. If my oh, memory serves me okay. correct, I think there was actually a, pris a Boer prisoner of war camp in Simonstown or close to Simonstown. I'd, I'd have to check, check up on that one. Okay. But there are Boer prisoner, prisoner of war graves in Simonstown. There's a, a Boer prisoner of war monument in Simonstown as you're coming into town. You've got the Birkenhead Memorial. The what? The Birkenhead the Memorial. Birkenhead. Now, Her Majesty's <laughs> ship Birkenhead was a troop-carrying ship. And that memorial is to the, the men who died in the shipwreck of HMS Birkenhead in 1852. Okay. Now, what happened there is that the ship was coming back from India... And I think it was the I think it was the seventy second seventy second regiment of foot, later renamed the Black Watch, who okay. was on board. Yes. And the ship ran aground, and started breaking up just other side a place called Danger Point near Hansby. Okay. And uh, the soldiers were on board, and somehow or other, not enough lifeboats, etc. And the soldiers stood in formation on deck. And the colonel ordered his men to stand fast and to allow women and children all first. Yes. Okay. And that was the first instance of where that came from. Oh, okay. So that's where the tradition of women and children first yes. actually transpired. Okay. So from HMS Birkenhead. Um. <clears throat> At Danger Point. Now, Danger Point's the other side of, of False Bay. But in Simonstown is the memorial to those brave men who stood there. I mean, there's some beautiful paintings of that as well. If you go through museums, you see the little 12-year-old drummer boy 
playing yeah. as the band's band slowly sinks underwater, you know, very emotional yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But the soldiers stood fast and allowed the women and children to disembark first. Yes. So there's a memorial to HMS Birkenhead there. There's, let me, let me, let me think, what else have we got here? There's the South African Naval War Memorial. Uh, at, at the Queen's Battery, there's obviously a lot, lots of guns and naval things in there. There's a South African Marine Branch Memorial plaque there. We've got, uh, let me just go down my list here. There's, a, there's, a, there's the old Martello Tower. There's a Martello Tower within the, the, naval, the naval compound, one of the only ones that I know of in South Africa. Martello Tower being a small round fort. That you could actually put some men in the top of the tower and they could shoot out a little portholes at the top. But obviously, as as, um, weapons got better, those Martello Towers didn't work anymore. Because then the ship could be out out in the middle of the bay and shoot the the Martello Tower to pieces. And the the guys in in the tower didn't didn't have much chance. Yeah. Then let's have a look where where we're driving. As you carry on going up into town, you then got... The old Dutch Reformed Church rectory. Now, it's not really a super remarkable building, but it was where the music for C.J. Langenhoven's national anthem was composed. Die Stem. Okay. So it's actually called Die Stem Rectory in Simonstown. Okay. Now, Lang- Langenhoven, his, his main, main spot was in Oudtshoorn, but the music was composed here. And Die Stem is an interesting national anthem because from 1957, or sorry, from, let me just get this right. Yeah, from, <laughs> <laughs> from 57 to 94, it was our national anthem. Yes. But from 1938 to 1957, it was combined with God Save the King and God Save the Queen, whoever happened to be at the throne. Oh, no. <laughs> so we had the stem combined with God Save the King. Then we have the stem on its own. And then yeah. after 94, what happens? The stem <laughs> goes combined with Nkosi Sikileli Africa. <laughs> that so, is very interesting. So, so it's a very enduring tune. Yeah. And I, I know of no other national anthem anywhere in the world that has twice been combined <laughs> with something with something else to form a new national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that is just brilliant. So um today today that building is is, is used by 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 the Cyrigan Navy. I think let's go to music for a little bit because I'm thirsty and you sound thirsty. That sounds like a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were talking about Mikey's Fontaine, uh, Mikey's Fontaine. And uh, yeah, I got a song here from uh, Sonia Harold's um, The Train of My- Mikey's Fontaine. So let's quickly play that and we will be back in a few minutes. Ons is heel patriotisch vandag met al die songs. 
Hier is die dellerij en toe is dit nou hierdie nommerkie, nog een bok van Black nommerkie. Uh, maar ja, uh, nou die druk het baie interessante stories wat hy weer vir ons vertel vandag. En uh, ja, ons gaan aan die einde gegeef julle sê van die competitie. Niemand het om laas week gewen nie, niemand wou speel nie, like het vir my. Of hulle kon net nie inluister nie, wat ook al die geval mag wees, maar ons het ander vraag wat ons julle gaan vraag vandag. En ja, jy kan het 20 kilogram health for pools, hondekoos van peer uit EcoHealth wen. So ja, bly ingeskakel, die druk, kom ons gaan voort. Ok, we still, we still driving through Simonstown. One of the one of the nicest little museums I know of in Simonstown or in South Africa is actually called the Toy Museum. There's a little toy museum in Simonstown. Oh yeah. And it's the most it, it takes you right back into your childhood. There's thousands, literally thousands of model cars, toy dolls, trains, everything that you can imagine right going right back all those years ago from when 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 you were a kid. There's a little toy museum that you can visit in Simonstown. And just past the toy museum on your right-hand side now, you hit the main harbour area and the place called Jubilee Square. Just Nuisance is in Jubilee Square. Oh, yes, that's our, right. Our yeah. famous Just Nuisance is there. <laughs> but there are so many spots around Jubilee Square that you can actually have a look at. There's a whole gaggle of memorials. And one of the most evocative ones there, I think, is the SS Mendy. Now, there's an interesting tie-up because the Mendy even has a tie-up to Mikey's Fontaine. Got to remember, guys, okay. Mikey's Fontaine is the thread that's running through this whole thing. Yeah. And you stand in Simonstown Harbour, there's even a link to Mikey's Fontaine there. Because in and amongst the memorials now, you've got a memorial to the South African Cape Corps. You've got a memorial to the South African training ship General Buerta. You've got... A memorial to the Imperial Russian ship called Diana. Diana was impounded 1808. Diana was impounded by the British. It was a Russian ship. The middle of Russia and England were having a ding-dong. And (laughs) ding-dong. In the middle of the night, the Russian captain cut the cables and just quietly drifted out to sea and disappeared. Oh, okay. That's interesting. (laughs) So he managed to sneak out of Simonstown. You've got the 1967 eviction monument. The old apartheid days, colored people were evicted out of Simonstown. There's a memorial to that in Jubilee Square. Okay. There's an old Hotchkiss gun. There's the what they call the standby diver statue. The Navy divers are trained in Simonstown. At yeah. the end of the pier, there is the, is, is, is the Navy diver standing up there. There's a World War I memorial. There's all sorts of things there in that square. But the SS Mendy, the SS Mendy was a troop transport during World War I. And it was at that time, we're talking 1917, it sank in the English Channel in February of 1917, but was carrying a contingent of what was called the South African Native Labour Contingent. That's a whole mouthful. That's a whole mouthful. Black South Africans <laughs> were forbidden from, from carrying weapons in World War I, and they were only deemed fit to be laborers to actually help build camps, keep clean, dig trenches, that kind of stuff. They weren't actually allowed to fight. Yeah. But a whole lot of guys volunteered for service overseas. And the ship was struck by another ship in some really bad, misty conditions in the English Channel. And the ship sank. Mm. Now, an interesting part of it is much like the Birkenhead. These yes. soldiers also stood on deck. 
So it's a testimony to their bravery and to their discipline. But an interesting link is that the pastor, the church minister was on board. And I'm going to say his little his words first. And then I'm going to give you his name because that's the link through to Mikey's Fontaine again. Yes. And it's a, it's, a, it's a weird link and I've never, I've never worked out how, how it actually works. But his words apparently, and this comes from one of the survivors, is be quiet and calm, my countrymen. What is happening now is what you came to do. You are going to die. But that is what you came to do. Brothers, we are drilling the death drill. I, at Klaza, say you are my brothers. Swazis, Pondas, Basutus. So let us die like brothers. We are the sons of Africa. Raise your war cries, brothers. For although they made us leave our assegais in the kraal, our voices are left with our bodies. And that's obviously a reference to the fact that the assegais left in the kraal because they're not allowed to fight. Yeah. However yeah. much they wanted to fight, they weren't allowed to fight. Yes. But an interesting part of this is his name was Isaac Wauchope Dioba. General Wauchope, who is buried in a mountain in Mikey's Fontaine. Yes. Somehow his name appears here at, in the pastor's name on the SS Mendy. Yeah. So <laughs> that's quite a coincidence. I can't get that connection, yeah. but it's still kind of cool how that thread just run, runs through everything there. Yeah. The SS Mendy, I know that there is another, there's another SS Mendy memorial in Soweto, and there's an SS Mendy memorial in um, PE in a place called Red Location. Okay. And that just shows the variety of people that were part of this native, native labor corps who yes. volunteered to go and help the troops um, in, in France. Yeah. But that's, that's awesome. That's very awesome, uh, especially what the pastor said. That's, no, those, those are incredible words. Deep. Those are absolutely incredible words. But then once once you've passed Jubilee Square, now you're coming out and you've got, got you sort of go past the, the gun emplacements and stuff. You've still got the South Naval Museum. You've got the, the Simonstown Museum. And you can spend a day, two days just exploring Simonstown with all these bits and pieces that you've got there. As you're driving yeah. out, you'll also see some weird steel structures, which are the remains of an old rope aerial cableway because there was a hospital built up on the hill. Okay. And it was an easy way to transport goods to the hospital in bulk on its own little private aerial ropeway yeah. rather than having to carry it all the way up the hill. So when you walk yeah. across, when you're, when you're in that area, you'll see like a couple of old, almost looks like like just like wire towers. Yeah. That obviously the, rope, the ropeway um, is now gone. You've also got Roman Rock Lighthouse as you're coming around that corner there. You've got the gun emplacement. You look out into, the, into False Bay. You've got Roman Rock Lighthouse, the only lighthouse we have that's built on a rock. All our other lighthouses yeah. are, are onshore. This one is offshore in the middle of the bay. And as you now leave Simonstown, you've got the next two stops. Now, it's almost out of time, so I've got to go through them kind of quickly. But we've got Kalk Bay. And Kalk Bay is very interesting because you've got a section there called the Manila Steps. Manila named after the town, Manila. Yeah. Because there were Filipino settlers that came and lived in Cape Town. In the 1800s. Okay. Filipino people came and they formed, they formed the bulk of what is now a large part of the f fishing community in Kalk Bay. Yes. So that's just a, another heritage point that we have. You've got Rhodes Cottage just up the road. Very nice little museum that was Cecil John Rhodes, a little hideaway when Parliament in Cape Town got too much. He'd come down to Kalk Bay and have a little cottage by the sea. Okay. A brilliant <laughs> little museum, the South African Police Service Museum. 
There's a police museum oh. there as well. Also, great stuff. All sorts of weird courtroom cases and some weird murders and and <laughs> uh, uniforms and you know the there's a mock-up of an old courtroom and stuff in there. Okay. Also, a really really cool little visit in there. And you got a shark education center. Shark education. Shark education center. Because hmm. as you, as you're going up up past Calc Bay and you're and you're coming up to, uh, over Boys Drive. There's actually a couple of watch points there where they put people up to watch for great white sharks on Musenberg Beach. Okay. So it's like your shark yes. warning system. There's a lot of sharks and great whites, particularly in, in False Bay. There's a shark education center. Again, you've got more chance of dying by a jumbo jet falling on your head than you have by dying by shark attack. But people just get very emotional about sharks. And it's not cool thinking that <laughs> you're going to get eaten by something. Being killed by something is different to being eaten by something. Yeah. So there's a shark education center there that you can walk into. <laughs> but then our last our last little link to Mikey's Fontaine again. And guys, don't forget, in a week or two, we've got this competition of Mikey's Fontaine. Free weekend, Lord Milner Hotel. It's an awesome little spot. But our last link today is that there's an Olive Schreiner memorial in Cult Bay. Olive Schreiner, the famous authoress. Oh. She wrote a lot of her books there in Kalk Bay, but she also wrote her books in Mikey's Fontaine and posted her manuscript from the Mikey's Fontaine post office back into Cape Town. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> so this little web, Mikey's Fontaine, tiny little town in the middle of the Karoo, has oh, got these little spiderweb links. Yeah. They cross right up to Coeur de la Ray. In the Western Transvaal, Lichtenberg, down to Simonstown, all over the place. Yeah, and I just love how these little webs to, yeah, come, come together. <laughs> so, guys, that's sort of got, that's normally sort of the end of your end of your Cape Peninsula tour. As you're then coming back, you go you're going up over Boys Drive, and you have an option. Then you can just take the normal <laughs> flat road, or you go over the super spectacular Silver Mine and Oakarpsevach. Uh, which is again is one of the most scenic drives back into Cape Town, and then that that will be the end of your Cape Town day. <laughs> yes. Uh, what's the time now? Uh, we are on two o'clock. On two o'clock. Two two o two. Okay, let's quickly ask them some questions. I've I've got one of them. Um, the first song that I played in this show. What's the song's name, and who sang it? <laughs> and the second one, I think you should ask that one because you um, came up with that one, the national anthem. I think the national anthem. Yes. Okay. So the national. What, what other songs was the national anthem combined with? Yes. What other two uh, songs or is, slash is anthems was, yeah. was connected to, to D-Stem. Uh, D-Stem? I think that should do it. If you can answer those two questions, you can win a 20-kilogram Health for Paws uh, dog food here from Pierre at EcoHealth. Uh, so, yes, you can get into contact with us. You can go onto the Facebook page, Radio EcoHealth Live, and you can contact me through there. And, yes, that would be the end of the road trip show for today. And please go take a look at the road trip app as well. And, uh, yeah, go download it. It's uh, 149. 149. 149 for the app. And, uh, yes, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Yeah, that's a Blauberg Strand, that's Lorica Ra. Goedemorgen, my sky. Goedemorgen, my 